Well, thank you so much for having me here. It's such a privilege to come and just be with you this morning, to worship with you, to share with you. I want to say uh, a massive thank you to uh, the Hughes leadership team, um, particularly Wayne and Angela. I know that you guys are all doing a fabulous job and uh, you really have been in my prayers um, as a church family. I see you as family. I hope you see me as family. Some of you might know, not know me that well, but I see you as um, church family and um, it's a privilege to be part of the Christian Family Centre churches. We are connected um, just in terms of that God's given us a unique um, and combined passion to see people come to know Jesus and working in that loving community and connection is so powerful. And I saw so many of you at our DARE conference, which is a women's conference that we run, we host by um, women across CFC churches. And so got to know many of you more there, which has been great. And I just, it's been such a joy to see uh, the team leading us in worship and to see you, Joe, meeting, leading. You did a fabulous job. It was fantastic. doesn't surprise me, but it's really good. <laughs> um, and I do send greetings from my husband, Michael, my two boys, Angus and Callan. They wish they could be here today. Uh, we were all set to all come this morning. And then um, my husband leads our primary school program for kids. And so we had a couple of team members just not be able to come this morning due to various reasons. So as what happens, a leader needs to step in and go, no worries, got this. So he went along to serve and help the team this morning. So he sends his love and greetings and his thinking of you all and praying for us as well. I've got two boys. Angus is eight. Callan is 10, nearly 11. And they love, I actually love coming here. They're like, can we come? And you know what they said? <laughs> the food is so good at the end. <laughs> they were like, I'm like, is that the reason why you want to come? They're like, no, but that's just an added bonus. It was so cool. <laughs> um, we also have, as part of our Christian Family Centre churches, we actually are planning a church called CFC South and it's launching this afternoon, which is so exciting, the first official launch. And I know that um, you might not think that you play a part, but you actually do as a congregation because all of our CFC churches contribute 7% of our uh, income into CFC Churches Fund. And I'm actually um, a member of our Board of Elders. I don't know if you were aware of that, but we have a fantastic CFC Churches Board of Elders. And I've been going to the Christian Family Centre Seton for around 19 years, served in lots of different roles, including uh, worship pastor, children and families pastor, and now I'm serving in um, on as part of our senior leadership team as ministries development pastor, but also have the privilege of looking um, as a congregational pastor for our 10.30 service. So I uh, had lots of different uh, roles, been privileged to just be there pretty much actually half my life. That tells you how old I am. <laughs> um, but you are contributing 7% of Hill's income towards this church planning fund. We support Pastor Ben Matson in Alice Springs out of this to actually support him so that, that um, I primarily or a majority Indigenous church in Alice Springs. We actually support him as a group of churches, which is fantastic. We're also covering Pastor Tim Locken's wage um, so that he can actually go out and um, be part of doing what God's called him to do, which is awesome. Um, Seton Church, sorry, is covering his wage, but the 7% that we all contribute to actually goes towards church planting and to extending God's kingdom. And so you actually are a direct part of 
what's happening with CBC South, which is so awesome. Um, just in terms of their startup costs, buying PA, things like that, <laughs> to actually be able to proclaim Jesus and present him, which is fantastic. So I just thought it'd be awesome for us right from the outset to be able to actually pray for CFC South. Isn't it good that we get to be part of a, a, a group of churches that are actually planting churches? It's so exciting. And who knows, maybe there'll be a CFC that comes out of this church, another CFC. Who knows what the Lord has? It's so exciting. So why don't we pray um, for this church that's beginning beginning tonight. They've got around 70 or 80 core people who are meeting as part of it. It'd be great to just pray for them. Let's do that now. Father, we thank you for CFC South. We thank you, Lord, that this is um, a work that has been raised up by you. I thank you that it's not just a Seton thing, that all of our CFC churches are contributing to it. And Lord, I thank you for the generosity of this church. I thank you for the faithfulness of the giving in this church to see this brand new CFC South established. And so Lord, we pray for a mighty sense of your presence and your power at the gathering this afternoon. We pray for Pastor Tim as he's going to share the word. We pray, Lord, that you would just cause this church to grow from strength to strength and that many, many people will be one to Jesus through this local church. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So yeah, thank you for your generosity. Um, it has a, more of an impact than you actually sometimes are aware of. It's powerful. Well, I really feel like God's put a word in my heart this morning um, around the love of God. And, you know, experiencing and having confidence in God's love for us changes everything. Experiencing and having confidence in God's love for us changes everything. You know, I was 19 years old. I was looking for love in all of the wrong places and had this real sense of loneliness and sense of um, just feeling alone on the inside um, that I carried around with me, I think, through all my high school years. Grew up in a Christian family but really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And so when I was 19, a friend invited me along to a, a service, a, an Easter service, and there I heard about Jesus and I heard about the fact that he loves me. And for the first time, I didn't know everything about him, but the first time I actually experienced and felt so up close and personal his love for me. And so I opened up my heart and life to him and actually he came in and come to live inside of me and started a process of actually healing me from some hurts, of uh, just helping me grow in my character, of helping me understand that all of my sins have been forgiven, past, present and future, and helping me live from that place of knowing that I'm loved by God. So many of you might have a story that's not exactly the same, but it's about how you've experienced the love of God. Experiencing and receiving Jesus' love for me changed everything. I became a brand new creation in Christ. I found what I was looking for. Did it mean that life was easy after this? No. <laughs> but I had someone who I could utterly rely on. Do you know there's people, even our family members, we can't utterly rely on them. We can rely on them, but not 100%. They're going to let us down, aren't they, sometimes? <laughs> we have to say sorry sometimes to one another. But Jesus will never let us down. Those who trust in Him will never be put to shame. And so experiencing this where I had someone I could utterly rely on, 
As I grew and keep growing more confident in His love for me, I know that He's at work to make me stronger in my faith, more dependent on His Spirit, more ready to obey His words and more willing to trust when I can't work it all out in my head. But it actually all starts with His love for me. And it keep, you keep coming back to this. We never graduate from this as Christians. There's a man in our church who, if you heard his story, which I'm going to tell you a little bit of, you'd think, far out. How is he still standing? He has been a pillar in our church for a long time. And uh, when his wife of 30 plus years was um, just, they were sort of entering retirement sort of age, she... Um, she developed motor neurone disease and ended up, he ended up caring for her, looking after her until she actually went to be with the Lord. It was very sad. And so that was massive, trying to just process that, trying to work through that, trying to understand that even in the midst of that, God loves him. And then about four or five years later, he met this beautiful woman in our church and she had... Um, come out of um, a very tricky situation in her previous marriage and they were just like two teenagers in love. (laughs) And watching them was amazing, just thinking, wow, Lord, you've brought these two together. There seems to be such good chemistry. Um, You know, she had children, he had children. The Lord was giving them a fresh start and we were so excited for him and for her. And a week before before, before they got married, one week before, She was tragically hit and killed by a driver when she was riding her bike one week before they got married. Can you believe it? Like it was just such a shock and such a tragedy. (laughs) And we couldn't believe it. Like to go through losing his first wife, but then a week before he gets married to lose his potential life partner was just devastating. But if you look to this man now, and you look, sometimes I'm so moved to tears when I look out and I see him worshipping because he has had to cling and hold on to the love of God in a way that some of us perhaps will never fully realise. Because there's so many questions he has. There's so many things he can't wrap his head around. But he's had to lean into and rely on and know that despite the fact that he can't work all those things out, that God is sovereign and that God is good and that God loves him. And he has clung to that. And to see him worshipping Jesus, he's one of our key uh, volunteer ministers on our prayer ministry team. He oversees a number of connect groups. He's at pretty much every service that we have (laughs) because he's brought his hurt and his heartache to Jesus and allowed Jesus to heal him and refresh him and keep him grounded in the love of God. That he's actually able to focus on other people. It's amazing. (laughs) And to see what God's done in his life as the love of God has been the foundation is just a testimony to his grace because most people that you look at who've been through something like that, they wouldn't be still standing. And it blows me away. Do you know, continually experiencing and having confidence in God's love for him, despite the fact that this side of eternity, he won't know the full picture of why... (laughs) has enabled this man not just to carry on, but to continue to live with purpose, passion and a focus on others. He clings to the love of God because it's his anchor. And you read about the suffering and the hardship and the persecution the Apostle Paul and the early church faced and you can't help but be amazed. 
It says in 2 Corinthians 11, I'm reading from the message paraphrase, it says, I've been flogged five times with the Jews' 39 lashes, beaten by Roman rods three times, pummeled with rocks once. I've been shipwrecked three times and immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. In hard travelling year in and year out, I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the country, endangered by desert sun and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labour, many a long and lonely night without sleep, many a missed meal, blasted by the cold, naked to the weather. And that's not the half of it when you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. When someone gets to the end of their rope, I feel the desperation in my bones. When someone is duped into sin and angry fire, not at the person, at the devil, (laughs) burns in my gut. So why didn't Paul and these early followers of Jesus give up? Why didn't they draw back from following Jesus when things got hard? Why didn't they allow feelings of fear, which I'm sure that they wrestled with, why didn't they allow those feelings to paralyse them (laughs) from being powerful witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus? Why were they willing even to risk and lose their lives so others could hear the good news? So others could experience and receive God's great love too. Well, you'd have to say that they had a confidence in the love of God that was unshakable. They had a confidence in the love of God for them and the love of God for others that was immovable. Charles Spurgeon, a great 19th century preacher, said this of the early church, because of their dependence on Christ's love, they dared much. And because of their love for Christ, they did much. Because of their reliance upon the love of Jesus, they were not afraid of their enemies. And because of their love for Jesus, their testimony was bold and clear and decided. They scorned, they rebuffed the enemy of their souls, the devil, even when he appeared in the most dreadful forms. Experiencing and having confidence in God's love for them and His enabling grace and power changed everything for the early church, even how they chose to face the hard things. It changed everything. Spurgeon also makes this profound statement. The distinguishing mark of a Christian is his or her confidence in the love of Christ and the yielding of his or her affections to Christ in return. First, faith enabling the soul to say with the Apostle Paul, Christ loved me and gave himself for me. And then, (laughs) heart gratitude and love for Jesus in return. We love him because he first, what? Loved us. You know, we recently had a baptism service at our church and there's this Persian man from Iraq who got baptised. And he came to Australia with his son as a refugee and then his son tragically died. And he spoke of his heartache at his son's death and how he felt so lonely and lost, full of despair. (laughs) But he also spoke of how he has come to know Jesus. And he simply said, Jesus means everything to me in his Persian accent. 
I love him. <laughs> and there was joy all over his face when he said it. Now there's still a way for him to go to work through some of the pain and grief he's felt. But the love of Christ was and is so real to this man. He's had to cling to it. He's had to throw the full weight of his trust on it. He's had to keep coming back to it. And it's healing his soul. It's healing his soul. There's nothing like the love of Jesus to fill up areas that are empty, lacking in meaning and purpose, to heal our heartaches and restore our souls. And I'm here to tell you this morning that you never graduate from needing the love of Jesus. You never graduate. (laughs) We need His unfailing love. You're allowed to say hallelujah, amen. Praise God if you feel so inclined, all right? If you're getting excited, that's okay. You're allowed to be excited about the Word of God. (laughs) Some of you go to the football and get pretty excited. Come on. God's Word is so much better than footy. Fellas, come on. Women. (laughs) I said before, the distinguishing mark of a Christian is his or her confidence in the love of Christ and then in the yielding of his or her affections to Christ in return. If you're a follower of Jesus here today, is this true of your life? Are you confident in the love of Christ? Are you growing in your confidence of his love? Are you more confident in his love for you than you were last year or last month or last week? If not, the Holy Spirit is here to remind you to help you encounter afresh and to be strengthened by his love for you today. And if you've never heard that God loves you, you've never really heard it, (laughs) he loves you extravagantly, he loves you relentlessly, he loves you unconditionally, without measure. Jesus loved you and gave himself for you. That's the evidence and the proof of his love. And many of us here love him because he first loved us. Would you say amen to that? That's right. But through this word, his word this morning, I really sense that he's reminding us that it's in the hard times that our confidence in His love is tested. It's in the hard times that our faith in God's love is actually vulnerable. Sometimes we may not feel it, but this does not mean it is not rock solid true based on what Christ has done for us. If we're willing to keep bringing our hearts before Him, opening up our lives to Him in raw honesty, the good times and the bad times, (laughs) then even in the middle of the hardest times, at the worst what if that you can imagine, Jesus still loves you. He can grow our confidence and deepen our trust in His love. In his book, Walking with God Through Pain and Suffering, Tim Keller comments, Christianity teaches that contra or opposite to fatalism, suffering is overwhelming. We can acknowledge that it's hard, it's overwhelming at times. Contra to Buddhism, opposite opposite to Buddhism, suffering is real. 
We don't have to pretend and be all happy clappy that it's not real. It happens. It's real. (laughs) Contra karma. Suffering is often unfair. You know, bad things sometimes happen to good people, even God's people. But opposite to secularism, suffering is meaningful because there is a purpose to it, whether we can see it, understand it. God is sovereign and He is working still for our good in the midst of hard times. And so if we can understand that, embrace that, that He is good and He is sovereign, He is working in the midst of it, then suffering has a purpose. We may not understand it to this side of eternity, but we know that God is working in it. And if faced rightly, suffering can drive us like a nail deep, deep into the love of God and into more stability and spiritual power than you can imagine. You look at the Apostle Paul's life. Mate, he had to cling to the love of God. And the Apostle Paul prayed a most magnificent prayer for the Ephesian church in chapter 3. Have a listen to the first part of it. It says, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And I believe that the Lord wants me to pray this prayer over each one of you and over Hills CFC. So we're going to do that and then I'm going to keep going. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, I thank you that out of your glorious riches, you have promised that you will strengthen every person here and every person who calls the Hills CFC home with power through your spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that we all, being rooted and established in love, may have power today and in increasing measure through to the rest of this year, together with all of God's people, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we each may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can you say amen? Amen, amen. We receive that promise for us, Lord. And you know, in Romans 8, I don't know if you like Romans 8, but it's a great verse, great chapter to come back to, to cling to God's love. (laughs) Some of you go home and read it. Read it in lots of different translations. But in Romans 8, 37, just the second part, it says, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors? Wouldn't you think conquerors is good enough? Conquerors is pretty good to conquer something. It's like, well, that's pretty good. Why do we need to be more than conquerors? But it can be rendered more exceeding conquerors or over overcomers, over and above conquering. Paul's not talking about human strength or wisdom to conquer a political or military enemy. More than conquerors. He's talking about the power of God at work within us. 
Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, God's power works through foolish things to shame the wise, through weak things to shame the strong. We have His authority to overcome all the power of the enemy and are led by His Spirit to do good works. Paul's not talking about human motives or human ambition to conquer for self-gain. More exceeding conquerors. He's talking about God filling us up with His love to represent Him and point people to Jesus. Hallelujah. He's not talking about the desperation to conquer because we have something to lose. We don't have anything to lose because we already have so many riches in Christ. No worldly riches, no threat, no person can snatch this from us. We have eternal life to come and Christ in us here and now. Paul's not talking about agonising, about winning a battle in our strength, but when needed, we have God's all-sufficient grace to endure suffering. To be over-overcomers. <laughs> He's talking about the joy of the Lord being our very real strength. He's not talking about defeating a political military enemy. He's not talking about gaining something personally because of selfish ambition. He's not talking about defending something we're at risk of losing. He's not talking about demonstrating our own strength and striving. We are more than conquerors because we have Christ's authority to overcome the enemy. Come on, you guys can exercise faith. Amen. Do you know that you have that? Christ's authority to overcome the enemy. You have God's grace in your weakness. You have God's power compelling and enable you to imitate Jesus. You have God's love assuring you of eternal life and Christ's presence with you in the here and now. You have the joy of the Lord as your strength and His Spirit as your counsellor and comforter no matter what comes your way. While it may be in the hard times that our confidence in God's love is tested, that our faith in God's love is vulnerable. Let's look at that verse again. It says, no, in all these things, in all these things, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. What's the all these things he's talking about? Well, he tells about it later on in, his, in this passage. He talks about... <laughs> Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, the sword. There are some of the pretty much the worst things that can happen to you. He's saying in all these things we are more than, not human conquerors, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And so this morning, God's word is reminding us Reminding you, because in all these things you are more than conquerors, no opposition can win. In Romans 8, 31, 32, it says, What then shall we say in response to these things? To all that's gone before, talking about the, who we are in Christ. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things but you know we often <laughs> just pick part of that and we say 
Who can be against us? We rehearse about who's against us. We go over it. Well, I can tell you all the people who don't like me and all people who... Or the enemy who might be trying to oppress me. Or I can tell you about all the different things that are troubling me. We can tell you about all the things that are against you. We can rehearse it. We can go over it. If God is for us, we need that first bit. (laughs) And he is. Because the next verse tells us he is because he didn't spare his son. How do you know God is for you? Jesus died for you. Keep coming back to the cross. How do you know God is for you? Jesus died for you. He's not angry at you. He's not punishing you. He loves you. No opposition can win because God is for us. I went through a very tricky time in my life, quite, quite a dark time with my health really spiralling quite out of control and then a long time ago. But this verse, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how much more along with him will he not give us everything else? That was my anchor because it was like, I don't feel like God loves me. I can't see that God's loved me, but I know that God's loved me because Jesus went to the cross. And this is what I stake my life on. This is what I stake my ground on. This is what I say when I feel there's opposition. I say, well, God is for me. So you can flick off and go and talk to Jesus because he loves me. No accusation can stick. Not only can no opposition win, but no accusation can stick. Romans 8.33 says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. We like to rehearse all the things that we've done wrong. Or we listen to lies about all the things that we've done wrong, all the things that we could have done better. But in the context of that verse, it says, Who will bring any charge against those Whom God has chosen. God has chosen you. If you're in Christ, he's chosen you. He's planned you. He's purposed you. He's chosen you to know Jesus. No accusation can stick. Because God has given you right standing with himself through his son. He justifies you. He's given you right relationship. It's not based on what you've done. It's based on his free gift. He justifies you. Not only can no opposition win and no accusation stick, but no condemnation can destroy. (laughs) In Romans 8.34, it says, Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Not only did Jesus die, he was raised to life for you. If you're a Christian, he lives in you. He's seated at the right hand of the Father right now and he's praying for you. How awesome is that? Do you know if you're a Christian and you love Jesus, you can't be cursed. Because Jesus has taken the curse. You can't be condemned. (laughs) As Jesus was condemned by sin, he took it in your place. He was raised to life in resurrection power. He's interceding for you. That's why it says at the start of that chapter, 
There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. None. Yes, sometimes you make mistakes, sometimes you make stuff up, so do I. But we come back to him and we say, thank you, Lord, that I'm not condemned. Thank you, Lord, that your forgiveness, your blood that was shed applies to this as well. <laughs> and I offer you my, my heart that just says, keep me aligned to you, Lord, and I thank you for your forgiveness. And I walk forward flicking off that condemnation because I'm not going to have it sit on me because it says in the Bible, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Who or what shall separate us from Jesus' love? In Romans 8, 35 to 37, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long? We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. Some of you need to memorise this verse. No. No. <laughs> No, <laughs> in all these things, even this thing that's coming at me right now, even this circumstance that I'm facing, even this sense of opposition that I'm feeling, even in this, even in this suffering, Lord, even right now, though this is hard, in all these things, even in this, I am more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I want to finish with through him who loved us. <laughs> Through him who loved us. Oh, praise Jesus that he loves us. He doesn't have to love us. It's crazy good that he loves us. We don't deserve his love, but he just loves us. What amazing God we serve. We just sang about it. This is our God, a God who chooses to love. A God who gives himself in self-giving love. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death or life, neither angels or demons, neither the present or the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Even those lies that says you've stuffed up now, Tom Pitch. That's my last name. God couldn't love you if people knew what you've done and what you said. Rubbish. It's a lie. It's a lie because the truth is nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God. And having confidence in this love and loving Him back with all of our hearts. That's how we face anything and everything, even hard times. Because we know that we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. Church, you are a church that is a more than conquering church. Come on. You're a church family that is a more than conquering family. Your family is a more than conquering family because you have Jesus who loves you, the presence and power of his spirit with you. I just want to leave it with this. Are you convinced? I feel like that's God's encouragement to you today and to us. Are you convinced? Now you might not feel convinced, but you can agree with God's word and you can accept the truth 
And you can say, I am convinced based on not how I feel because my feelings are not the highest reality. My feelings are valid. God doesn't trivialise how I feel, but my feelings are not the highest reality in my life. The Word of God is the highest reality in my life. Who He says I am, what He says about Himself, what He says He's done, that is greater. That is the reality. And so I bring my feelings under the authority of His Word. I don't trivialise them. I don't discard them, but I bring them to God and I say, here I'm how I'm feeling, Lord. But now I bring them under the, the authority of Your Word and I accept it to be true and I start to thank You. Because when we start to thank Him, we release faith. We grab something and make it our own. If Kathy gave a gift to me and I stood here, give me a gift. I've got a gift. I know why I picked you. You're awesome. No, that's all right. Mm, it's pretty good for them, but I'm not sure if it's for me. Yeah, but I don't. If you knew what I'd done. Thank you, right? So when you receive a gift, when you receive the word of God and say, "Thank you, Lord. This is true for me." You're releasing your faith, you're receiving it, you're making it true, you're laying hold of it and saying, this is true for me. Are you convinced? Faith is being stirred in your hearts as a church, I can tell. Some of you sit quietly, but I can see it in your eyes. Oh yeah, come on, preach it, sister. <laughs> Release your faith this morning. I'm convinced, Lord. Right now in this situation that comes to mind, nothing can separate me from your love. I have confidence in your love. I have confidence that you're leading us forward as a local church. I have confidence in your love. Can we do that this morning? We're going to do that as we worship. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to have opportunity for prayer at the end. If there's something specific that I spoke to about opposition, accusation, condemnation, we would love to pray for you. But you know, <laughs> not to try and prove anything or try and earn God's favour, but sometimes to just take our stand and to say we are convinced by faith. We can get our praise on. We can get our praise on. It's a stance of faith to say, God, your love is rock solid in my life. Your love is true in my life. Your love is forever in my life in this church. I rely on it. I lean the full weight of my trust upon it. This is who you are. And so why don't we just close our eyes right across this place. If you're here this morning and this morning's been perhaps the first time that you've really heard and understood that God loves you. God loves you. He loves you so much. He sent His Son, Jesus. He loved and He gave Himself for you. He loves you. He's not angry with you. All the punishment at your sin, Jesus took upon Himself. All the wrongdoing that you've ever done, Jesus became sin for you. So you might receive as a free gift, the love of God, the love of God. It's the foundation, it's the unshakable foundation. He wants it to be of your life. And so if you're here this morning and you haven't yet received Christ just now in your hearts, Receive Him. Say, Jesus, come into my life. I want to know this love. I've been looking for this love. I want to know You, Jesus. Come into me. And He will. 
Thank You, Lord, You've forgiven me of all my sins. Thank You, Lord, that You died on that cross. Thank You that You're now alive. Come into me. I wanna follow You for the rest of my days. I give my heart and my life to You. In Jesus' Name. Thank You, Lord. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, Jesus has answered your prayer. You're brand new creation in Christ. You're a follower of Jesus. You're a Christian. And I'd love you to tell someone. You don't have to tell me, but you can. Tell someone that you came with if you prayed that prayer. We're going to sing this song. Nothing can hold me back from you. Nothing. Nothing. Come on, we're going to sing it by faith. Draw a line in the sand and we're going to say, I am convinced that nothing, you might want to lift your hands. Get your praise on. Sometimes we need to stand in a posture of faith, not a posture of defeat, not a posture of anxiety or worry, but a posture of praise. This is true, Lord. I believe it. I receive it in Jesus' Name. Let's sing.